recognizing that your job is science advice. It's not policy formation. It's not operational delivery. That distinction between the science space and the political space is really difficult to preserve and practice. The two are interwoven in all kinds of ways. With science policy, it's essential to have an open conversation, one where many voices are heard. In a way that that the pandemic may have nudged us all along a path of public reasoning that is a little bit better at handling some of that kind of uncertainty because it's made it so clear that you can't. Unlike health crises which unfold in the UK, Ebola was seen as something a bit exotic. It was happening far away. And I pointed out that as we were on this arithmetic likely to be dead in the not too distant future, uh, we should probably do something about this. I remember pleading with them saying, look, you know, For humanitarian reasons, you need to share this. BSC was major, catastrophic, and a feeling in the public's mind that this was all out of control. It was necessary to separate science from policymaking, but also separate advice from policy decision-making. How did the FSA think about public trust and confidence? Was it something that you went out and measured and monitored? How did you sort of get a handle on whether what you were doing was working or not? Everyone was anticipating a repeat of the earthquake in 1934, which was a lot bigger and it killed 10,000 people. Now, what actually happened was the earthquake in 2015 was about half the size. And in geological terms, it did half the job. One of the greatest frustrations of working in academia is that you have these great research projects that end. And I wonder, James, what we can do really as a community to harness that trust and network that you've talked about. The piece of the argument which I'd like to explore more is how you anticipate so that you are able to take action so that a risk doesn't materialise. Part of this growing attention to climate change is that there's becoming increasing responsibility being set in the system where it becomes untenable for companies not to think about this. There should be a particular person, a particular officer who is in overall charge of the preparedness and management of extreme threats of all kinds. And there should be a appropriate delegation to local governments who will have to handle on the ground. John, you are working in government as a chief scientific advisor in the Home Office. For me, it was about being able to get the hold of the best science possible, translate that and help ministers, senior officials understand what was going on. When new variants Alpha and then Delta and then Omicron and then maybe lesser known variants like AY4.2 that appeared within Delta, it's not such a catchy name is it? You can see what the policy decision they're trying to get to. We went through uh, several phases of should we close schools, should we open schools. Preserving that ability to do rapid surveillance and data linkage is going to be key for any future pandemic. The likelihood of us suffering a repeat event where public health measures might be needed again around the world actually is more likely than it was five years ago. If the original advice had come packaged from the start, saying based on what we now know, I think that the overall credibility of science advice might actually benefit. I agree. Instead of saying that the facts support this and you must do this. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that.